Today we're sitting with Gloria Perez. She is the president and CEO of Jeremiah Program. Gloria, welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you today. So let's start with the fact that yesterday, Jeremiah Program Boston had their first ever fundraising event, Voices Rising. Tell us about it. How did it go? Voices Rising was a tremendous success for Jeremiah Boston. It was an opportunity to introduce Bostonians to the mission of Jeremiah, which is to transform families from poverty to prosperity and to raise funds for the operation. The audience was, uh, I believe, really inspired by the stories that they heard. Voices Rising was an idea to give voice to people about their first steps, whether it was first steps of learning something or as our founder spoke, the first steps of starting Jeremiah program and what inspired him to do that. So it was a unique setting and opportunity to inspire people about how they have first steps and where they're led as a result of that. What do you think uh, people who know or have heard about Jeremiah program, maybe have read something online, have seen any videos, but those who weren't there at the event, what would you like to say to them? What is kind of the outtake that you would share with uh, listeners who are listening to this podcast? Like, hey guys, this is what you missed. <laughs> I think what was evident in the stories that were told last night and the feelings that the audience had is that a program like Jeremiah, which is holistic, serving mothers and their children in a multitude of ways, teaching them their basic life skills, uh, helping them go to college, ensuring that they have safe and affordable housing, ensuring that their kids have quality care. I think that everybody realized that these are basic things that we all need in life and that for some in our society, access to those resources so that the family can be self-reliant and successful and prosperous, as we say in our mission, uh, for some, that reality is elusive. And it's because they don't have the networks and the supports. And so for those of us who have it, we feel very blessed in the presence of hearing about the struggles of others. And for those of us who have struggled and have come to the other side, we have an appreciation for just how hard that path can be. And so I think we all came together in a spirit of humanity and compassion and love. And I think people should definitely attend the next Voices Rising. Yeah, no, that sounds wonderful. And I, actually you gave me a really vivid picture and you summarized it so well, because I think that is one of the challenges of, as you just said, if you don't have those experiences and when you hear the participants sharing them, you can really feel and you can really get uh, an understanding of why Jeremiah program is needed. Absolutely. How do you think that the mothers, the participants who were sharing the stories, how do you think they felt? Well, I had an opportunity to speak with a few of the moms before they got up on stage to tell their stories, and they were so grateful for the opportunity. And so I think there's something in that for us to learn, which is that people want to show up. They want to be asked 
to be their best. They want to be asked to share their stories. And some of us think, oh gosh, how hard it must be. And certainly it is, but we all have the capacity. It's one of the things I said to the women is, well, if you're telling your own story that's unique to you, you can't be wrong. And so all you have to do is get up and be yourself. And um, they were very happy to do that. They actually said that the experience of preparing for it, the excitement and the um, the preparation was bonding for them as mothers right. uh, because they all wanted to do a good job and they all wanted to represent the organization well in terms of what it has done for them. In front of how many people were they speaking? We had 130 people at the event. And That's a large audience. It was a wonderful audience. Yes. And everyone was so supportive and excited to hear their stories and engaged the entire time. So we were very happy with the turnout. So what are your plans for such events here in Boston? Will we have will this be an annual event? Yes, it was definitely in, intended to be an annual event. So I think that you can look for Voices Rising in 2018 with a different story theme, but the same kind of feel and an opportunity to give to the organization and the families that we're serving. And Jeremiah Program in Boston has been around for, is it over two years? Just over two years that we've been in operation in Boston. And yeah. the event wouldn't have been possible without corporate support and the board and obviously the staff that were involved. So we're very grateful for everyone who contributed. Okay. So Gloria, you have been with Jeremiah Program. Next year, it will be 20 years. But let's start from the beginning. Would you share about your own upbringing, about your childhood, about the early part of your life? How has that formed you and your path in life? Growing up as a child in San Antonio, Texas, I was um, really uh, the youngest of three girls uh, with a two-parent family in a Mexican-American family where we were all very supportive of each other and we did everything as a family. We were our own social support system. Uh, my father, unfortunately, died of cancer when I was 10, and it was something that took the family by surprise, despite the fact that um, he'd, he'd had this disease um, for some time. When he passed away, the world that we knew literally changed overnight. Uh, my mother went from feeling, you know, secure as part of this uh, marriage and family to feeling all of a sudden the pressure and burden of being the primary breadwinner, um, needing to be sort of the leader of the household with three girls who were 10 and 15 and 17. And so um, it was a struggle from that point on. What we experienced from the time that my dad died, being raised then by my mother, was that we watched her try to develop her own skills for managing money, things that she had not done, uh, for advancing in the workplace, which she really had not, it, by her own admission, thought much about advancing in the workforce, but she knew that she needed to do that in order to provide for her family. So she went back to school. So mm -hmm. some of my earliest memories were of my, my mom being in night school mm -hmm. and me going with her on those nights and sitting in the library because she didn't have a sitter for me 
and uh, this would be after school. So some nights I'd have a very long day, and I was so proud of my mother. Now, granted, I would have been. I would have preferred to be home watching television or playing with my friends, but watching her struggle to be independent and to provide a future for us was something that was very inspiring. And I think those early days inspired me to not only give back, but to have compassion and appreciation for women who are going through that kind of a struggle, for women who are trying to be the primary breadwinner for their family and provide for their kids. So do you think that experience showed you? I mean, I'm, uh, it sounds like it was an example. It set an example for you. Like, hey, this is how you do it. You're faced with a situation and you deal with it. Mm-hmm. You learn what you need to learn and you do what you need to do mm-hmm. in order to get ahead. Mm-hmm. But still, where do you think she got that strength from just to see that ahead of her and and just go on and work hard towards her goals. You know, I think my mother's determination and faith are what gave her strength. And this is a theme I see with Jeremiah Mothers today in the work that I do, is that women have faith that there is a better future for themselves. They are determined to create a better future for their children. And so they are inspired by the the children that by somebody else's standards may be the burden or the cause for them to be in poverty or to struggle. But in fact, those children are actually their inspiration to strive for more and not to strive for more for themselves and their kids, but to strive for more for our community. So when did you first hear about Jeremiah program? Well, I had been an executive director of a Latina organization in St. Paul that um, it was a domestic violence agency with community education services and shelter services. As the executive director, I was active in the community and I was approached by a recruiter about the new position of executive director for this emerging organization called Jeremiah Program. And I remember thinking, oh, I don't need to be involved with another startup organization because I had done that already. and. I knew how difficult it could be, but the recruiter was persistent and said, <laughs> I think you need, you need to hear about this organization. You owe it to yourself to learn about it. And I thought, okay, that's fair. <laughs> I can go and learn about the organization. So I did. And I went and met with the volunteers that were involved. And the first thing that came to my mind was how impressive it was to see this group of volunteers from the corporate sector, from the religious community, from government, from philanthropy, all inspired by this mission called Jeremiah and wanting to have a leader in helping them bring this vision to reality. And when I left, I thought, I want to work with those people. I want to be part of what they're working on. And so even though I loved my organization and didn't want to leave it, the mission of Jeremiah was too compelling to pass up. And it sounds a little bit like they needed you more. <laughs> like the, the organization where you were, it sounds like you had worked hard to get them where they yes. were and where you were. Yes. But this new started organization, they needed you more. That's right. They yeah. often, in you know the workplace, you often hear about people who are more um, 
more skilled in starting up organizations or maintaining organizations. And for me personally, one of the things that I have enjoyed are startup organizations. And while I felt like I needed a break in my career to work for an organization that had already been established, uh, as I say, the mission of Jeremiah was too compelling to not do it. So when did you first meet Michael J. O'Connell? Our founder, Michael O'Connell, was on sabbatical when I took the opportunity to interview for Jeremiah's executive director position. And after I was offered the position, uh, I said I would like to meet the founder before I accept. And it happened that he came back to the Twin Cities and he met me at my alma mater, which is a college in St. Paul called McAllister. And at McAllister College, Michael and I sat on a bench on a beautiful sunny day and had a conversation about what my experience was like in the community. And so I decided to um, to take the position because I was so inspired by him by and him? his vision. So what was it in his words or maybe in his vision, his mission that you really, you know, that got you uh, interested, yeah. One of the things I loved about what Michael said with regards to founding Jeremiah was that people would ask him, what does a middle-aged Caucasian priest care about single mothers and their children? Yeah. And I thought, well, that's a very good question. I'd love to know the answer to that. And, And his response was that, when he was growing up, he had the privilege of a two-parent family, you know, an Irish Catholic family, well-rooted in the community, and they had lots of support. And he talked about growing up and not being able to read early on um, when he was in school. But because they had resources in the family, he was able to get a tutor, and he was able to um, really practice and have the support of the family. And he said, but for the grace of God, I could have been born into a family like a Jeremiah mom. And he really wanted to make an opportunity available to women in that situation. And as he put it, it was in his mind, Jeremiah was more for the child than it was for the mother. But in thinking about that, what he said is, if I want a child to be strong, I have to invest in the mother. That's so interesting. It really gives you now this holistic picture in a, in a totally different frame. How he, I, can, I can see how he was thinking, and that's all right. Yeah. Um, so why is it called Jeremiah? When Michael O'Connell was thinking about this program, he had a conversation with a friend of his who was an academic, and um, this this individual said, "This vision that you're talking about, you know, getting people interested in in helping low income single moms and kids, it's very similar to what Jeremiah the prophet said. If you go to Hebrew Scripture, chapter twenty nine, in the book of Jeremiah, it says, "Seek the well being of the city." Pray for it to the Lord, for in seeking its well-being, goodness shall come to you. And it was the scripture that Michael thought perfectly described what it is we need to do as a community. Because if we want to be a strong community, we have to make sure that every person in that community is strong. And so our name became Jeremiah. Wow. Wow. 
So being a woman leader and representative of the Latino community, have you seen any difficulties on your path, on your way as the executive director? Yes. So when I started with Jeremiah as the executive director for Jeremiah Minneapolis-St. Paul, um, I felt I had been networked into the community fairly well as a leader in, in the Twin Cities. But what I think all women of color as leaders experience is um, sort of an undercurrent of racism to the extent that the expectations of us as leaders is, I believe, sometimes less than other leaders. Mm -hmm. And so when we show up professionally, capably, um, engaged, effective, people give us credit as if they didn't ever expect for us to be able to perform to that level. Mm. And um, having grown up in a Latino community within San Antonio, Texas, I realize that this isn't a, a personal affront. It is, uh, I have compassion, I guess, right. for the views that there are some people that just haven't been exposed right, to right. people from a variety of different cultures. And that lack of exposure sometimes limits their points Ability of view to, yeah. and um, expectations of others. And so it has been difficult in on the one hand. And on the other hand, um, I feel that People have wanted to support me uh, to elevate my role as a leader in the Latina community and in the majority culture. So what is the advice that you would give uh, people, women who are hearing this now, being aware of, as you said, well, thinking maybe of the other, the other side, the person maybe has not just been exposed. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. What is something that they could take with them? Like maybe an advice on how to act or, or wait, how to think or... That could strengthen them. Yes. My advice to women of color in leadership positions would be to, first and foremost, do their best in the role that they are in. Um, when we do our best, we will show up. And um, the other thing would be to, in being our best, we're being authentic. Right. And that means that there are things that we don't know as leaders and to say that and to ask for help is certainly something that we can and should be doing. Um, We've seen, you know, generations of men supporting men in fraternal organizations. And so we should feel the right to be able to do that as well. Um, Secondly, I think it is to have an open heart and compassion that, um, again, if people have not had exposure to leaders of color, this may be their first introduction. And so if we do our best and we show up authentically, then that will, in fact, open up the hearts and minds Mm -hmm. of others. And um, lastly, I think it is to be um, constantly learning and We all make mistakes. Our paths in life are not necessarily straight, right? They have all kinds of turns and twists that we didn't expect. And some of that can bring hardship or heartache or disappointment. And I think to learn from that and keep moving forward is always important. Yesterday I was at an event and it was about... um, 
growth mindset about how you're not supposed to have a fixed mindset because that's not where you will grow and and learn and the presenter fabulous lady katie uh katie greenman she was saying well i know somebody and she always tells her daughter when she falls or does a mistake says look at you recovering from a setback exactly <laughs> yeah look at you recovering from a setback just having that with you all the time like hey this is something that i'm learning from that's absolutely it's a right opportunity and it's also just uh, as i was hearing you saying these three things uh it's not only goes i guess for leaders it goes for any situation that all is, the time that is such the truth yeah. yes i agree i mean i i do think about that as a leader in the community people will say well what are the skills that you need to be a leader and frankly um, I don't know that the skills for being a leader are any different than the skills for being a follower yeah. in the sense that, again, a follower needs to show up and be their authentic self and they need to have this learning mindset. Um, one of the things that we talk about at Jeremiah program is being leaders in our own lives. Right. And um, being leaders in our own lives means figuring out what we need, asking for help, um, again, being our best. And so leadership, I think, is a choice yes. in terms of figuring out what it is that you are so passionate about that you want to bring others along to help achieve a goal. And I think that's where leaders are most successful. How do you manage being a mom <laughs> and a leader? How do you combine that? You know, um, one of the things I said to my children when they were very young, of course, now they are 26 and 27 years old, and I have a six-year-old grandson. But when my children were young and I would go to community meetings at night and work during the day and come home and quick make dinner and make sure they were doing their homework, um, one of the things I would say to them is, if I am going to be the best mom to you, I need to do what my heart is calling me to do. And my heart is calling me to help others. And I know I can be a good mom to you if I follow that passion of mine. And so please know that you as a child are no less important than all those children that I'm out there trying to make um, a better future for. And now that my children are older, I think they know and feel that. But there were definitely things that I missed out on as a mom that my husband participated in firsthand and I didn't. I remember the nanny telling me one time, oh, I was so sad that your daughter took her first step with me and not you. And I thought to myself, yes, some mothers would be very sad and upset about that. And I was just glad that my daughter was in the care of somebody who loved her in her home and I could see her second or third step. It was a first step for me. Yeah. And that was what was important. Oh, wow. So that's a really strong. Um, and I think that that goes for all the mothers, all the women participating in the program. They're all working so hard and trying to get ahead and they're trying to combine that yes. because there is no balance. It's just a combination. That's and right. I think in hearing your advice of saying, as you said, you have to be the best person that you want to be. Mm -hmm. And in that way, you can be a good leader, a good mother, a good right. participant of the community, part That's of the right. community. So 
tell us about more about the Tremaya program. Yes. Are there any stories during your time with the Tremaya program that you have seen that you would like to share with us? Yes. Well, when we first started Jeremiah program, we knew that the goal was a college education for the mothers and kindergarten readiness for the children. And the model was then what it is today with one slight uh, tweak over the last 20 years. So we knew that the mothers needed a life skill coach to really accompany them on their journey from poverty to a career track employment and obtaining a college degree. So that has always been a part of the program, the coaching. Um, the early childhood education, making sure that the kids are being invested in was always important. Um, the life skill development, so teaching women about their finances and how to make uh, effective decisions and talking about health and wellness and parenting and child development uh, have always been an element of the life skills program. And then having a supportive community wrapped around the mothers so that they know they don't have to do this alone. Those have always been elements of the program. But more in the last 15 years, we incorporated empowerment training which is a cognitive restructuring concept that helps women understand the connection between what they think and feel and do and their outcomes. And we really help them dig into the belief systems that shape the thoughts that they have. And it has been that program, this empowerment program that we have incorporated upon uh, application as part of a pre-admission process that has made the difference because we want to make sure that women are prepared for the rigor of this program. And we know everyone deserves a college education in order to be self-reliant, but not everyone is ready. Right. And this empowerment program helps the individual assess whether or not she is ready to take on this kind of a program. And so when I think about the program and reflect on graduates. You know, there are so many women who came in uh, initially learning about the program and thinking, oh my goodness, this program's too difficult. It's expecting too much. I can't possibly do it. And then they wouldn't apply and, uh -huh. and they'd go on and live their own lives and then come back like six or nine months later. Several of the women came back and said, you know, I've been thinking about this program and Life hasn't gotten any easier for me without it. And so I think maybe I should get involved. And when they do, what they realize is that even though they, it is a complex, rigorous program, they're not doing it alone. Yep. They don't have to parent their children alone because they've got partners from the Child Development Center mm -hmm. that are making them aware of not only the challenges that the kids are having, but their strengths so that the mothers have an extra pair of eyes and ears that are helping them with their kids. They have this coach that they can talk to about the challenges that they're having, you know, in their workplace or the challenges that they're having academically. We can get them a tutor. Yeah. And so I can remember several of the moms saying, this work is hard, but it is so worth it because right. I don't feel alone anymore. I feel like I am part of a family in a way that is going to help me and my child succeed part of a support system, right? That, that support system mm -hmm. is critical. At one point, Amelia, the executive director at Jeremiah Program Boston, told me that 
besides beyond the 22 mothers that are participating in the program here today she sees a need for around 200 uh, that would benefit from this program how do you select how do you say yes to a person and say no to somebody else if they're equally willing to participate the selection for criteria is rather basic on the front end in terms of the age of the mother must be at least 18 her children must must be in Boston uh, under third grade age. Um, they must be willing to go to college and they must be willing to work with a life skill coach and be part of the Jeremiah community. So that's the easy part. I think um, beyond that, the criteria that we're looking for is really that um, resiliency and that ability to follow through on the commitments that the women make as part of the program. And so what we're looking for in those candidates are just examples of times when they have experienced success by being on a team, for instance, or um, having some stability in their own workplace, or being in the choir at church. You know, these are like examples of their ability to follow through on things. Mm -hmm. We look mm -hmm. for a, a letter of recommendation from at least one person that knows them, that knows that the individual has these dreams and aspirations and wants to see them realize that dream. And so um, when we're looking for women, those are the characteristics that we're, that we're looking, looking for. for. Yeah. Um, what are, during your years with Jeremiah program, what are the, oh, sh uh, should I rephrase it? Uh, during your time with Jeremiah program, what are the most, most fantastic stories that you are proud of, that you're happy that they happened within the frames of the Jeremiah program? Can you share that with us? I will say working for Jeremiah program has brought me tremendous joy over the years. Uh, there are so many stories. One that I can think of that just happened this year is that we had a graduate from... I want to say 2002, that came back to visit. And uh, she has been working as a neonatal nurse wow. at a hospital for the last 15 years. And uh, she came back to the cities and wanted to volunteer in the program. And uh, when she came to talk with us, what she did not say was that she had been dropped off by her son, who is now 18 years of age and has just enrolled in the National Guard. And so to see her son, who had been in our child development center at the age of three, was so, so heartwarming. And for him to share with us a little bit about what life has been like since he and his mom graduated from Jeremiah was incredible. I mean, he talked about really all of the wonderful, normal, sort of middle-class experiences that every kid in middle America might talk about. He talked about being on a team in school, and he talked about um, you know, wanting to uh, go out with his friends when he was a teenager and his mom being very strict and um, you know, not you know, making sure that she met the friends and making sure that she met the parents of the friends. I mean, these are very typical things. But to hear him experience that um, in his community and hear him talk about how inspired he is by his mother and her determination and the fact that she's been working in the medical field and helping people, 
that it inspired him to join and serve his country through the National Guard, and he wants to be a, a medic. And so it was just full circle experience right. for me yeah. to hear the two of them tell their stories and to have such gratitude for a program that really changed their life. Are there any other stories where you think, when where the participants, the mothers, have shared with you, like, hey, this is something or a place where I wouldn't have been unless the Jeremiah program would have given me the chance? Yes, absolutely. We have another mom who graduated from the program about 10 years ago, and she came into the program with one child, and she was an individual who... By her standards, you know, she grew up in a low-income, very dysfunctional family, but made it to college mm -hmm. and got pregnant when she was in college. Mm -hmm. And the father of the child did not want to be involved mm -hmm. in her life. And so uh, she was very proud when she came into the program. And it was uh, a program sort of, of last resort for her. Mm -hmm. She her finances were in disarray. Um, she had horrible credit. Um, she was homeless. She was depressed. She had dropped out of school. She was raising this child. And um, she was really in one of the darkest places that she had ever been. And when she heard about Jeremiah, she wanted to come into the program, but she was sort of fighting with this inner voice of, you know, I can do this on my own. And frankly, she couldn't, right? Mm -hmm. And so what she talked about was the transformation that occurred inside her as she started to not only follow through on program expectations, but as she started to form relationships with other mothers, she started to have compassion not only for the other women and the challenges that they had because some of them had never been to college mm -hmm. and that experience was challenging for them mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't for her and so she started to not only have compassion but she started to build her own self-esteem because she could mentor other mothers in the program and say oh well here's some study tips or here's how I've done it And um, that started to make her feel better. And what she said was that, you know, in hindsight, she had so much to learn that she was so proud at the beginning of the program that she just thought, oh, well, I just need help with housing and I need somebody to take care of my child so that I can go to school. But I've got everything else under control. And what she realized is that she didn't have everything else under control. And, and that she could need some support. And, and that, that she, she could, could yeah. she absolutely needed support. And so, so those were great lessons for her. And um, now, now she has two children, and uh, she is raising those kids. One is now in a, a community college, and the other is still in high school. And she's working for a corporation, and like the rest of America, you know, she's had upward mobility with different jobs throughout the years. Um, but it's that sense of um, sort of normalcy that uh, she is so happy to be participating in the culture of her community. And so she's mm -hmm. attending PTA and she's volunteering with her corporation. And to be in that place mm -hmm. today versus where she was when she came into the program and have the privilege to see that because I've been with the organization for so long is, is just overwhelming. Mm -hmm. 
What are the future plans for Jeremiah program? What do you see? Well, Jeremiah program is needed in every community across the country, and I would love to see a day when it's not needed. But I think that people are learning about this holistic program and wanting to bring it to their community because what they realize is the support systems that we have, whether they are through nonprofit or government, they are often fragmented and Mm -hmm. frankly, ineffectively put together for a particular family. And so I think programs like Jeremiah that are comprehensive in nature, that are intimate, uh, where you are bringing together the, the helpers and the families that are being helped, where you're bringing them together to form a relationship is something that we're going to see more of in communities around the country. So why should people support Jeremiah program and how can people do that? I think people should support Jeremiah program because it is a grassroots community initiative. And if we are going to have strong communities economically, socially, we need to make sure that all of those families are strong and thriving. And people can help in a variety of different ways. We know that There are hands-on opportunities for volunteerism where we have a Jeremiah campus community. Um, People can also help by becoming advocates of the organization. So looking us up on the website and joining our group so that they can be informed about Jeremiah initiatives that are growing. We have a policy platform that we want to advance Mm -hmm. to help government understand ways in which they should be changing policy to be more friendly to the women and children that we're serving so that they can be more effective with those dollars and ultimately get people off of public assistance. Mm -hmm. Um, And then certainly anybody that would like to start a Jeremiah program in their community should contact us at the national office so that we can tell them what it will take to start a Jeremiah program in their community. And the contacts they can find at jeremiahprogram.org. Is that correct? That's correct. Gloria, thank you so much for participating, for having this conversation and for sharing your own personal story and for telling us more about Jeremiah program. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you.